Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, good morning. Good to see you today. We're glad you're here this morning. Welcome home. Um, if we haven't met, um, I'm Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're excited to be in this series called Advent. As uh, uh, Adam had mentioned, Advent means the arrival or the coming. Say that with me. The arrival or the coming. We remember and celebrate the arrival of Jesus um, this at Christmas time and remembering that he came to earth to save us. And we also anticipate his second coming where he comes to get his church. And so we expectantly wait. And this is a time of the year, really all throughout the year we should be doing this, but it's a set-aside time of the year we were, well, where we remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And so as we get into this today, I want to, first of all, I want to celebrate something before we get too far into this, because one of the, the primary reasons we meet is to see people come into relationship with Jesus. And a couple weeks ago at the gathering, we had uh, a child come to know Christ. And then uh, this Wednesday night, we had four students come to know Christ. So we celebrate that today. That's why we gather together is to see people come into relationship with him. And so we celebrate that today. We've been learning a lot. We've been learning that uh, Christ brings hope. Christ brings peace. Christ brings joy. And today we're learning that Christ is love and he brings love into the world. And as we think about love, there's all kinds of love. I remember, uh, you know, as a youth pastor, you'd hear some kids say, I think I love her (laughs) or I think I love him. Okay, we're in seventh grade. We're meant to be together for the rest of forever, right? We think of the word love. We think, you know, I love this guitar. I love the chiefs. I love these things. There's all kinds of ways that we use the word love. But as we think about this word love, we're specifically talking about the word agape. Say that with me. Agape. Agape is the highest form of love, charity. And it's the love of God for man. And man for God. This is, the, this is in contrast to philia or a brotherly love or philosia or self-love as it embraces a deep and profound sacrificial love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. Say these two words with me. Transcends and persists. That's the love that God has for us. It transcends our our understanding, it transcends our circumstances, and it persists, it pursues. For those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, you probably know of a time where God was pursuing you and, and persisting, and so we celebrate that love. There's a few things that we need to know as we think about um, the, uh, this agape love that we're not going to spend a, a lot of time on, but we need to know it today. First of all, love comes from God. and You've got a scripture there that you can read, but it comes from God. It doesn't start with you know, a romantic love. It doesn't start with the world's view of love. It's not, it doesn't start with a parent's love for a child. It begins with God. It comes from God. And love, it, it's not possible without the Spirit of God inside of us. Amen. The love that comes from God, we're going to learn in just a, a minute, it's, it isn't possible. We can't love in an agape way, way um, without the love of God inside of us. And when we think of love, love is not words, right? We all know people that make promises and they say things with their mouth and they have these words. And, you know, that has its place. We hear the words, I love you. But love really is an action word. It's not passive. Um, it's always looking for what it can give instead of what it can get. 
That's the type of love we're talking about. And it doesn't require anything in return. So today I want to talk about five things Scripture tells us when we think about love. The first is simply God is love. Say that with me. God is love. He is love. It originates with him. First John tells us God is love. Let's read it. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And when we experience his love and we ask Christ into our hearts, he fills us with the fruits of the Spirit. We talked about that last week. And love is the very first fruit listed in the fruits of the Spirit. We see it here, but the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruits. You hear us say it a lot because it's when we ask Jesus into our heart, these fruits are available to us to, to have access to. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, but it starts with what's the first one? Love. We see that. It begins and ends with love. And we said that, that love that comes from God, it's a filling rather than a feeling. We talked about that last week when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Those aren't feelings, patience and kindness and faithfulness, all those things we read about. They're not feelings, it's a filling. Love that comes from God is a filling rather than a feeling. So God is love. And then we know that God shows us how to love, right? He shows us how to love. 1 John 4, 9 says, God showed how much he loved us. Let's read it. By sending his one and only son into the world. Why? So that we might have eternal life through him. Romans 5, 8 tells us that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Let's read it. While we were still sinners, we celebrate the love of God and who he is and where it comes from. And he showed us and modeled for us what it looks like to love. And if we have a relationship with him, we understand and and know what Christ did for us. He willingly came into this world because of his great love for us. So today, if you're not feeling very lovable... God loves you. If you're not feeling very much love for someone else, God loves them. Amen? Amen. God showed us how to love. I want to read a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, a lot of times at weddings you'll hear, hear this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about this agape love. It says, if I could speak, it's not on the screen. Is that all right? We won't put it on the screen here. We'll just have the passage here, but I want to read this to you. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would love, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move the mountains, but I didn't love, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And here it it says this. Love is patient. And love is kind. The love that comes from God is kind. Did you know that, church? We don't see much kindness anymore. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's, It's not boastful. It's not proud. And it's... It's not rude. 
It doesn't demand its own way. Husband or wife, parent, child, coworker, whoever. It's not irritable. And it's not a tally counter because it says it keeps no record of wrongs. And how often do we do that? Well, you know, 10 years ago, right? It keeps no record of wrongs. Some of you are laughing because you know you've said that, right? I remember that one time. All right, my wife said it too. And maybe I have. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Listen to this for marriages and people that, you know, are tough to love. Love never gives up. Say that with me. Love never gives up. Aren't you glad God didn't give up on us? It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. This is a sermon right here. It's always hopeful. You know somebody in your life who doesn't know Christ. Be hopeful. Be in prayer. And it endures through every circumstance. Now the key word there is every circumstances. Every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things behind me. Now we see these things perfectly, imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything perfect and and with clarity. And all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Last verse. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Say it with me if you know it. And the greatest of these is love. Powerful, powerful scripture. God showed us how to love. And he gives us a list of what love looks like. God is love. God shows us how to love, and church, God created us to love. Say that with me. God created us to love. We were created to have two important relationships, relationship with God and relationship with others. Listen in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings, let's read it, in his own. Well, if we were created in the image of God and God is love, then We're called to love, amen? In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The image of God translates imago Dei. Say that with me. Imago Dei. You and I, and even the people that you don't get along with very well, were created in the imago Dei, in the image of God. Because he loves us, he he made us in his image own image. And because of that, we are carriers of his love. Now, does anybody have Amazon burning a path to your house? You know, the FedEx truck walks by. How's it going? Good to see you for the 12th time again today, right? We think of carriers who carry stuff to us. We're called to be carriers of his love, right? Right? Who are you carrying God's love to? 
Is it just the ones who carry love back to you? Right? Because it's easy to do that, isn't it? To love those that love us. But it's hard to carry to those who don't love us. And yet, the love of God enables us to do that. We're carriers of his love. Not only to receive it, but, but to give it. And the truth is, we aren't capable of loving like Jesus unless we have a surrendered heart. Unless our heart is surrendered, it is, it is impossible to consistently love like Jesus. So there has to be this time in our life, really daily after this time in our life, but there has to be this initial time in our life where we give God the keys to our life. Uh, I think it was last week on Wednesday night, we had a speaker come, Josh, he did a great job, Josh Lean from Monette, and he was talking about uh, just giving God our lives, and I shared this story about, I remember when Gracie, she was learning to drive, and she would she would drive Whitney's van. She had no problem with that. But one day she was wanting me to take her somewhere. I said, hey, just drive my truck. She's like, I'm not driving your truck. I don't want to drive that great big thing. And I took the keys out of my pocket and I said, you're driving it. Flip the matter. You can do it. And I'll be honest with you. On the outside, I was saying, you're driving my truck. On the inside, I was like, oh, my word. <laughs> right? Because when I flip those keys, I'm letting go of control. I mean, I can backseat drive and nag her, but she's in control of the wheel, right? But, you know, when we, give, when we surrender ourselves to Christ, we're giving him control and called not to nag about it, right? <laughs> to simply say, God, you've got it. And my question would be, it's kind of like, it's really, you want to know what it's called? It's called sanctification is a word we use, but really it's just called surrendered hearts. Because there's this place in our life where, and I've shared this story before, where we invite Jesus into our vehicle, using that same analogy. Salvation is inviting him into our hearts and into our lives. But there are some things in our life that we can't get past, can't get over, unless our hearts are surrendered. Out of 10 people, nine of them are easy to forgive, but there's that one that did something, right? You know, when you were a child, all kinds of things we could think of, right? And you can forgive, but there are certain things that you can't do without a surrendered heart. It's hard to be a missionary in another country unless your heart is surrendered. It's hard to share your faith at school when your school doesn't believe in Christ unless your heart is fully surrendered. It's hard to walk across the street to invite your neighbor to church if your heart's not surrendered because that's not your personality, right? But here's the good news. We don't, have to have, we don't have to be equipped because everything that we need is given through His Spirit. And as we stay connected to Him, His Spirit comes out of us. It's good preaching today, amen? It's good stuff. It's from Scripture today. We aren't capable of loving like Jesus unless we're surrendered to Jesus. We also learned that, that not only does he show us how to love, but God calls us to love others. Listen to this passage of scripture. This is real love. Not that we loved God. Let's read it. But that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to what? Does it say manage or take away? It doesn't say manage. It says what? Take away our sins. 
You don't have to live in, in guilt. You don't have to live in your sin. We believe and scripture tells us that we can be delivered from sin. We don't have to keep doing the things we used to do. God didn't, Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could manage our sin. He died on the cross so that we could be delivered and set free from our sin. To live the life that God's called us to live. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, let's read it, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love, let's read it, is brought to full expression in us. How is God's love brought to full expression? Through us, right? In us. Here's another one. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. I would just go as far as to say this, that there's someone in this life that you will not forgive, that you hate, that you can't stand, that you wouldn't help them if they were across the street. You have someone that you absolutely, no matter what, you won't speak to them. Now, I realize there's times people won't speak to you, but on your end, if, if your heart isn't clear and you've got bitterness in your heart towards a brother or a sister or someone, that's not of God. I love God, but... It says, but if you hate a believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we can't see? And he has given us this command. Let's read it. Those who love God must also love. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? You know, what does it look, what does that look like to love someone? It makes me think of one of my favorite stories I'm not going to read the story, but it's just a simple story in Mark chapter 2 where there's this guy that's paralyzed. Some of you remember this story? And Jesus is in town. He's preaching at somebody's house, and these four men come by, and they, uh, lots of people came by and didn't stop. I mean, he was probably there all the time. But these four men hear about Jesus being in town, and they, four of them pick him up, corner I imagine, you know, one leg, one leg, one arm, one arm, however they did it with the mat. And they carry him to the house that Jesus is at. That's more than most people did. And so when they knock on the door and it's full, you could easily say, well, you tried. Right? I mean, you tried. It's more than the rest of them did. But Scripture says when they knocked on the door and they couldn't get in because there's so many people, they persisted. They went up to the top of the guy's house, okay? They put a hole in the roof. Probably needed some kind of insurance after that. (laughs) And they lowered the man down through the hole in front of Jesus. And Scripture tells us, Jesus seeing the faith of the four men, not the guy that was paralyzed, the faith of the four men healed the guy. I think that's what love looks like. The ultimate example is Christ on the cross, right? But in a practical example of what it looks like. Who do you pass by? Who do I pass by every day that we miss because we're complaining about what's going on in life or we're busy or stressed? Man, what would it look like to stop and just engage with them, make a difference? Difference in their life. 
God calls us to love others. Now here's where the tension comes in. This is a tough one. God calls us to love others, and that love includes loving our enemies. I mentioned this earlier. There are people that, that you would love nothing more than to get along with them, but they don't want to get along with you, right? Um, some of you have tried to make it right with someone, and they don't want to make it right. God's love includes loving our enemies. Listen to this passage of Scripture. You've heard, that the law, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Jesus says, love your enemies. Let's read this next sentence. Pray for those. You know, they say that 88, I think it's 88% of marriages where the husband and wife pray together every night, that marriage stays together. Because we know one and Two marriages end in divorce, according to statistics. But if you find a couple who's got a relationship with Jesus and they pray together every night, even when they're mad, there's an 88% chance that that couple's going to stay together. And the principle behind that is it's really hard to hold a grudge if you're always praying with the other person, right? Scripture says here, pray for those who persecute you. So for those, that, that person or people in your mind that hurt you or did something, when's the last time you prayed for them? Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. In fact, it says, in that way, you will be acting as what? True children of your Father in heaven. For he gives us sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Listen to this quote, Martin Luther King, talking about agape love and what it looks like to love others, especially our enemies. Agape does, does not begin by discriminating between worthy and unworthy people or any qualities people possess. It begins by loving others for their sakes. Isn't that good? It goes on to say, it is an entirely neighbor regarding concern for others, which discovers the neighbor and every man it meets. That's so good. Therefore, agape makes no distinction between friend and enemy. It is directed toward both. If one loves an individual merely on account of its friendliness, he loves him for the sake of the benefits to be gained from the friendship rather than for the friend's own sake. Consequently, the best way to assure oneself that love is disinterested is to have love for the enemy neighbor from whom you can expect, let's read it, no good in return, but only hostility and persecution. I can't think of a better example of what it means to love our enemies. As we think about that today, are you living are you living in the love that Christ offers us? Are you living in the love that Christ offers us? Are you extending love to those around you? So I want to just ask you a quick, as our band comes up this morning, I want to just ask you a, a quick question. I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. You know, Scripture tells us as far as it depends on us to live at peace with all, all people. Is there, is there anyone in your life that you would say you haven't done your part, you haven't made it right? 
Is there any family member or someone that you know that God's been calling you to tell them about the love of God and you haven't done it? Is there any unforgiveness on your part? Is there someone that God's calling you to forgive and you're choosing to, you're not saying no, you just keep putting it off because you're too busy or you don't want to think about it. And I, I remind myself of this and, and some of you know this, but if you don't, you know, scripture tells us that the reason we forgive is because Christ has forgiven us. And maybe, unless this happened to me before, you don't think there's any unforgiveness there, but then the Lord kind of reminds you. And maybe today there's this moment where you didn't realize there's a little bit of something there. And as, as we were talking today, the Spirit just called that to your attention that, hey, you got a little thing towards this person. Or maybe that towards the person is God. Maybe something happened and you've just been mad at God about something that happened. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. And you've been holding that against God. And, and you know from a head knowledge that bad things happen, that God doesn't promise that our life's going to be perfect just because we follow him. And yet there's this thing inside of you. We're going to sing this song, How He Loves. We've got two songs left, don't we, Garrett? And this would be a great opportunity to just do some, do some heart reflection and some hard conversations with God this morning. We always open our altars up. It's a place where you can come and talk with Him. You can come down here and pray for anything. It doesn't have to be what we just have been talking about. But maybe there's someone today that you want to receive His love. The Bible tells us if we confess with our mouth, Father, and confess with our hearts, we can be saved. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, we can be saved. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe some of us have taken God's love for granted today and we just need to say thank you. Maybe there's someone God's calling us to love better or forgive. As we stand together this morning, Lord Jesus, have your way in this service. Father, I pray your spirit into our hearts. Thank you that you love us well. Help us to love our neighbor well. Give us wisdom. We thank you in Jesus' name.